0: Uh, thanks for listening in to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. Um, I hope your summer is off to a great start. Uh, this is Ruhi Dang from the Wharton School, and our guest today is William Hockey, the co-founder and chief technology officer at Plaid. Uh, Plaid focuses on enabling consumers and businesses to interact with their business accounts, bank accounts, check balances, and make payments through the technology applications. Um, I guess there is no better person to tell us what Plaid is and how it works, but the co-founder himself. Uh, welcome to our podcast, William, and thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Of course. Uh, so let's hear it in your own words. Um, how do you find Plaid, and you know, how how does it work? Just to help our listeners get up to speed.
1: Well, you you did it pretty well yourself. We'll see if I can beat it. Um, Yeah, so we started Plaid with the mission of just enabling developers and businesses to really build a better um, financial services system. What we really focus on is empowering developers and businesses to build all sorts of different applications that interact with their consumers and their businesses' bank accounts. That could be from going from payroll to -to peer-to-peer payments to remittances to accounting products pretty much any time a consumer or business interacts with their with their bank account or their credit card we want to be behind that
0: understood that's uh that's a pretty good uh, you know idea for our consumer for our listeners about where you know what what you do right now but taking a step back uh could you tell us a little more about how you stumbled on the idea for Plaid in the first place
1: <laughs> definitely, yeah. You definitely don't wake up and, you are know, like, oh, I want to go change the way financial services works. That, you know, is, is kind of where rare occurrence. You know, I think if we take a couple steps back, um, so Zach, my co-founder and I, um, we both had um, engineering backgrounds before and we were consultants for a time as well, um, but we were really truly enamored with financial services. You know, financial services, you know, in many ways, kind of like healthcare, is one of the few industries that really touches everybody in America, whether you're a, you know, an 85-year-old or a 13-year-old, financial services is affecting your daily life, whether that's for good or for bad. And so, you know, we were kind of young and maybe naive, and we thought, hey, we really wanted to change financial services. What's the best way to do that? Well, let's go build a really cool consumer-facing application. So we did that. We built a couple different applications that didn't go anywhere, but during the process, we realized that, hey, you know, this, is, this is, could potentially be really impactful, but maybe actually building a consumer application isn't the best way to empower the consumers. Because, you know, candidly, we're not great uh, consumer builders ourselves. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to actually try to find a way to provide leverage to other people who wanted to build really incredible applications. We sort of realized that the barrier to entry into financial services is really hard. A lot of the problems that we were running up against, whether that be legacy systems, data portability, security, Those are really hard challenges that us and a lot of our other friends were trying to solve. So we thought, well, let's actually go build a platform that solves this. And we can empower other developers and businesses to actually go build really incredible consumer consumer applications without having to worry about a lot of the really hard technologies and financial services. We wanted to let them focus on incredible design, incredible brand, actually getting those consumers and we can kind of stay towards the back end and really focus on, you know, the data portability, the security, and the really hard software problems on the end.
0: Well, that's that's pretty interesting. I and mean, These are things that we don't see on the surface every day, but uh, listening to you makes me feel how important they are at the end and how much uh, power you're providing to your users at one end. Um, So, just just earlier this year, I was at the Landed Conference, and something that emerged as a very popular theme was uh, everyone saying that, you know, 2017 is the year of bank-fintech partnerships. And given that, like you said, how critical this partnership might be for your business, uh, do you you agree that, you know, 2017 has seen a change in this partnership? And, you know, next, uh, what do you see as the future of such partnership in terms of, how it impacts your business and how it impacts
1: the industry in general. Definitely, I think, you know, FinTech, you know, call it new FinTech and then traditional financial services. You know, I think 2017 is definitely a great year for those partnerships. I'd argue that those partnerships have been going on for for quite a while as well. Because in the end, I think financial technology cannot work without really close collaboration with traditional financial services. You know, I like to think that we're a pretty good poster child of that. You know, we've raised money from Goldman Sachs, from Citi, from American Express, and then we have, you know, Capital One and American Express as our clients. And so, you know, we've definitely been partnering with financial services for a really long time. And so I think that close collaboration is extremely important. Um, that being said, it's not just, I think, collaboration with an innovation with the largest financial services. It's also about empowering some of the small credit unions and small local banks to actually enable them to participate in financial services as well. You know, I think what's really important is sometimes, you know, really large bank partnerships sometimes make the headlines, but it's easy to forget, forget that, you know, a majority of America actually banks with other small credit unions and small banks as well. So a big focus for us is not just enabling consumers who bank at the largest banks to actually participate in all these new fintech apps, but also the small local credit unions and these small banks that maybe sometimes don't make the headlines.
0: Um I see and you you spoke about enabling these smaller businesses and smaller banks and I believe uh, you know, the, the powerful tool that we're talking about here is PLADS API. So for, for you know, the technically inclined among our audiences, could you talk a little bit more about how these APIs actually work? And, you know, is, is there anything beyond or the, the popular aggregator and financial institution collaboration that we hear about? And uh, what would be some of the data standards that are relevant for you today?
1: Yeah, totally. There's a lot of different questions in there, but I'll try to I'll try to knock them off one by one. I think you know it's, it's important to note that I think sometimes you know aggregator is thrown around as a word. I think we definitely do some more traditional aggregation services, but I think it's a you know it's a small part of our business. I think I look at us more like a platform for financial services. You know what we look like from a technical standpoint is we work with co- close collaboration with um, you know a majority of the banks in the U.S. to expose a lot of their consumers' data with consumer permission to third-party applications who want to use it. So if I'm a consumer at a small local credit union, I can port my transactional data, my identity data, my payment data to my payroll provider, to -to peer-to-peer payments, to my accounting software. In many cases, it's like every single bank in the US had a really standardized incredible API. And then on top of that, we provide a lot of security and compliance services on top of that. So we build um, SDKs and um, libraries for the developer to integrate with. And so if I'm a developer, I actually don't have to collect a lot of really sensitive information from my customer. We can collect that directly for the customer and make sure that um, they are operating in a very secure and compliant fashion.
0: Um, so, is this like another layer when you talk about these services that you provide for the developers on top? So, I, I would imagine API is this layer that's coming in between uh, So, this, this new feature that you're saying you're providing services to developers. Is this an additional layer on top? I'm just trying to get my head around the infrastructure.
1: You know, I think it's all kind of, um, you know, one unified platform, I think. You know, the average American has, you know, between 15 and 20 different, 15 and 20 different things connected to the bank account. Uh, we want to be able to be that intersection layer between every single one of those, the consumer, the application, and the bank. So in many ways, we actually are providing a new financial services layer that the industry never has really seen before. So whether it has to do with payments, identity, just pure data transmission, we are that interface. And so we're the one who's actually a technology is interacting both with the consumer and the developer, and the financial services.
0: Uh, Got it. So it's like a one-stop shop. Okay, that makes sense. Um, On the product side, uh, you know, we've been talking about these APIs. What are some of the challenges that you have faced while building them? And maybe, you know, if you could talk about some of the challenges that you're working on right now.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I think one of the challenges always is how do you – Um, How do you create a really inclusive ecosystem? You know, I think we want to build a platform that's general enough to provide really robust tooling for a variety of different industries. I mean, we provide technologies for peer-to-peer payment transmitters like, you know, Venmo or Square Cash um, to traditional accounting companies, to banks themselves. And so how do we build an API? How do we build a platform that actually enables all of these very disparate industries to actually work together? same time, on the banking side, right? How do we need to be able to interface and empower the largest banks, like JP Morgan or Wells Fargo or Bank of America, while also enabling all these really small credit unions to participate as well. And so just the amount of interfaces that we have to interface with is, is sometimes quite challenging. I think also there's a lot of really real hard security and technical challenges. You know, financial services, we deal with a, a large amount of kind of sensitive data, and if you looked at traditionally how this looked is, as an application, it was their job to actually collect all of that data from the consumer, pass it to the platform provider, and then they would pass it to the bank. I think when we entered, we looked at that market and we're like, wow, that's actually a lot of attack tax factors you see there. So what if we were actually the ones that interfaced directly with the consumer? We got that data, just returned a secure token back to the consumer, and it was simply just that interface layer. And that actually eliminated, you know, thousands of different attack vectors. And so we could actually secure the ecosystem and actually create a lot more progress and a lot more innovation in the space. Because as a developer, I don't want to have to worry about that. I just want to worry about creating really incredible designs and really empowering the consumer.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. So you mentioned, uh, you know, you you work with, uh, you try to connect uh platforms like Venmo and accounting services, I'm I'm just wondering what are some of the, you know, very off the track or extraordinary applications that you've seen have started to use your API and, you know, in what form has Plaid probably empowered them to be able to help the consumer today and, they you know, maybe they weren't able to do this before you came in, um, you know, if you could give us some examples.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, there's thousands of different applications that are built on Plaid. So, you know, I'm sure there's a, an incredible amount of amazing applications I don't really know about. But, you know, I think, you know, what gets me pretty excited is I think some of the, um, some of the companies that are, you know, fundamentally changing what we may consider kind of boring and in old industries. I think one of the industries that I found really um, really interesting lately is payroll. And I think we've actually seen a ton of innovation in this space where you have companies that are actually starting to change the model where what if payroll actually wasn't distributed every two weeks? What if it was distributed on an hourly or daily basis? Could we provide a much more streamlined income to potential employees? Could it actually help people manage their finance better? Could it actually create more liquidity in the environment? And so I think payroll innovation, there's you know maybe half a dozen companies doing really incredible things in that space. I think that is something that is... You know, truly never really could have happened before without Plaid. Um, I'm also kind of biased sitting here in Silicon Valley, but I think, I think cryptocurrency is also really powerful as well. You know, we power Coinbase and Gemini, which are two of the largest exchanges. And you know, TBD on what the future holds for Bitcoin and blockchain and other cryptocurrencies, but I think the past couple of weeks have shown us that there's definitely a ton of interest in the space. And so I think that's been a really exciting wave to play out as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's one space that a lot of our listeners have been thank ears about, and we've been lucky to talk to some people in that space so definitely uh we'd would like to hear more of uh collaborations with companies in the cryptocurrency space that's really interesting uh so you also mentioned uh you know that one of the challenges you were working on was to create this inclusive ecosystem um and a part of the thing that comes with it would be probably, you know, a future of a single API or a gold standard which everyone's using for secure authentication. Um, how do you see that shaping up and do you think we're close to that stage?
1: Yeah, no, I think there are definitely a lot of positives to having a very unified standard. Um, candidly, I think we're probably pretty far away from that and I don't really see something like that Evolving anytime soon, I think. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure if maybe some of your technical listeners, you know, may, may read a comment. Comment called XKCD. Um, it's it's a pretty funny comic strip. Definitely, you know, everybody should check it out. But I remember there's this comic strip I was reading the other day, and um, it's these two developers. They're kind of in a room and they're and they're integrating with all these different APIs, and they're just they're duplicating a lot of code. And they're like, oh man, like I wish there was just this unified this unified standard because there's, like, seven competing standards right now. We should go build, like, the one standard to rule them all. Um, and so then, you know, dot, 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 a couple of days later, they're like, oh, you know, we, we have this unified standard. And then dot, 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 a couple of days later, it's like the eighth standard has been introduced, right? Um, and, and I think we're kind of seeing something maybe a little bit similar right now where, um, you know, there's 10,000 financial services companies in the U.S., I think to create one standard that really enables all of them to participate equally is really challenging because the needs of small credit unions is very different than large credit card companies, which is very different than large banks. Um, so I think we're still pretty far away um, from having any sort of unified standard. I think we'll probably start to see, you know, lots of different custom integrations for for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, no, and it's funny. That's one of my favorite comments. That you- quoted um I, and while listening to you on there i was i was just thinking about it you know we should come up with a comic for our club as well but yeah no i agree with you and and it's uh it's, it's it's a funny state of affairs that the industry is in right now to look at it that way uh but you mentioned earlier as well that you also provide certain kind of uh security layer not layers but security on top of you know um what we're trying to achieve and the secure authentication um going back to security of the api itself uh what do you think you know what would you say are some of the best practices and uh what are the main security concerns um that you've seen and what is it that banks are thinking about um and to add just a little more <laughs> there how how do you see them being mitigated,
1: or how how is Plaid trying to address that? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think anytime you know Plaid or others, you know, you you're involved in financial services, you're going to be interacting with really, really sensitive data. You know, some of the most sensitive data a consumer has. I think you know w- the way the industry really worked before we came around was each individual application how to collect a lot of individual financial services and very sensitive data, and then they would pass that up the chain. And I think you know, the, the focus on us is actually how do we try to eliminate those attack vectors, right? Let's try to minimize the amount of data our applications have to collect. So what we do is we now actually have code that's running in our application, in our, in our, um, our customers' devices or application or whatnot. And that code is actually collecting that data on behalf of us and sending it straight to our servers. That's taking out any risk for the application. So they actually don't have to collect any of those sensitive data. And then we will go ahead and pass that to the bank. So if you think of a world where there's 10,000 know, financial applications, you know, before we came around, about 10,000 clients had to collect that data. Now only us and the banks actually have to hold that. And if we assume that everybody in this space is being targeted, you have to assume that um, you want to collect as little data as possible. You want to try to hold as little sensitive data in your system and try to, and try to keep pushing it upstream. And so that's why Plaid, in many ways, we're kind of serving as this vault, where since we have the scale and breadth of understanding what 10,000 different applications do, we have definitely some advantages in terms of securing this data. And it's just like you know, one of many things we've done on our side.
0: Um, I see. So we've kind of reduced that problem of 10,000 people trying to access that data to, you know, just, let's say, a few major parties. And you mentioned towards the end that on your end, you're trying to secure that if if it's not too confidential. Uh, could could you tell us a little more, more about how you do it on your end in that case?
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I, I think, you know, I can't go specific into details in terms of how we secure our data. I think you know, what what we have the ability to do is I think we have the ability to hire some of the best security people out there. Right. Okay. I think, you know, when you're maybe a consumer facing company or, you know, you're kind of on the edge node, um you know, sometimes it's probably difficult to attract really hardcore infrastructure security individuals, right? I think since we do deal with such scale and the breadth of our network is so large, we're able to, you know, attract some of the best people, which is, you know, the one of the probably the best way to actually fight back against some of these attackers is just through hiring some of the best people. But in terms of using industry best practices, working with the smartest people and the smartest companies, I think we're able to definitely secure our data.
0: Good. Okay, um, so I, I want to take, um, you know, change, change gears here and take a 10,000-feet view and talk about international markets. So the international markets have adopted various approaches towards open banking APIs. Uh, do you think any of this and how, if so, impacts the U.S. and any anything we should be concerned about or, you know, should learn from what's happening globally out there?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely been an interesting space over the past couple of years. I mean, we saw OBWG in the UK. We saw PSD2 in the EU. Um, so we've definitely seen movement on this. You know, I think um, I think PSD2 is a good example on, you know, some good benefits and cons of kind of that approach. I think, you know, recently we saw a bunch of the fintech applications and those companies actually band together to actually try to fight against uh, PSD2. Because I think what happens is when you have the government, you have regulators actually doing top-down standardization, it isn't perhaps building maybe the most inclusive ecosystem. That being said, there's a lot of benefits to PSD2 as, as, as well. I think, unlike the EU, in the U.S., you have a much larger swath of financial services companies. And so I hope if there is any regulation going forward, They'd hopefully take a more inclusive approach and involve, you know, not just the largest banks with the smallest credit unions, the applications, the builders, and not just do it from a top-down perspective. That being said, I don't think we see a ton of this movement in the U.S. yet, um, at least that, that I'm aware of.
0: Hmm. that's that's comforting to know you know the kind of approach and like you said we definitely have a lot more and a lot diverse set of financial services industries here so that should help us um, finally I have a one last question for you so and this is this is relevant to our listeners here from our school and other schools around um, and you know universities around who are looking to to be a part of something as exciting as Plaid so when you when you're looking for new hires what do you look for in a candidate at you know, the MBA level and does this does this change as you go senior in the firm and what what would be um, a few things that you'd look for candidates so the senior level in that case.
1: Yeah definitely. So kind of starting out on the MBA layer, you know, we've recently hired some some incredible MBAs, you know, some from some from Wharton recently. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that I look for when we're hiring, you know, recent graduates from MBA program is really try to understand where their interests are. I think you know, a lot of times people coming out of an MBA program are looking to perhaps move industries, and so we recognize that a lot of people may not have a ton of experience in financial services or a ton of experience in developer platforms. I think the biggest thing that we, we look for is, you know, are they truly excited about financial technology? Or do they just want to get into technology, right? They're very different. And so having somebody have that really strong interest for financial services and new financial technology systems is something that really, really gets me excited. They may not have to have the most experience, but as long as they show that interest, it goes a long way. The second is really understanding, as a graduate, what size of company you want to go for. You know, I think we hear a lot of like, oh, I want to join a startup. Well, you know, all startups aren't really created equally. Going into a five-person startup is going to be a very different experience than going into a 100-person startup, which is going to be very different than going to a 1,000-plus startup. And so really having a good focus on what stage of company you want to do is a really good sign for us that you've actually done your research and you know what to expect. Because, you know, as we've gotten larger, as we hired our first people, as our know, first employee to our 50th employee to our 100th employee, you know, what we're looking for Varied a lot, and then also the expectations that we had, and the training involved, and the risk tolerance involved is very, very different. So, can I recap? And I guess if we look at people who are really excited about financial technology, and also really excited about our stage of company, are usually some of the two, the the two largest signs I look for.
0: That's that's really good advice for our listeners. Thanks for that. Uh, just the last bit. What about the senior levels? Is it is it us? Uh, Similar, or I would imagine you're looking for a lot more experience and some other skill set at that level?
1: You know, I think at this point right now we have about 45 different recs open we're hiring for. So, you know, it really varies in terms of what we're looking for. I think, and definitely in some of them, we want people who have really um, experienced financial services backgrounds. Other times, we want people with really good security backgrounds, or marketing backgrounds, or sales backgrounds. You know, I think we're looking for a really diverse set of candidates, coming I mean, from diverse different fields and backgrounds. So there really isn't, you know, one thing on the senior level we're looking for. I think in general, though, you know, we do require everyone to be really excited about financial services. You know, it's, um, it's a very unique, it's a very fast growing, it's a pretty amazing space, but it definitely has its tricky parts, too. And so we're having, having, trying to find someone who has that excitement for Plaid and also the space um, is definitely a requirement. Yeah. that's about
0: it from me uh, for today, William. And thank you so much for enlightening our listeners. Uh, it was a very interesting and a very knowledgeable con- uh, conversation. Um, and I hope you had a good time talking to the Watson Fintech Club as well. Um, hopefully, we'll continue this relationship with SLAD where you hire more people from, <laughs> from the community <laughs> that are passionate about it. <laughs>
1: Definitely, definitely. Well, it was a pleasure. Thanks for inviting us to the chat. And, and you know, definitely feel free to uh, go to com, look at the different um, recs we have, and maybe even build an application on Plot as well.
0: <laughs> yes, that is a very good tip. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm.